Hey guys, it's me, Gabris. I'm on a tour of the JPL right now, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. Yeah, maybe you saw it in the film The Martian, or maybe you heard of it in that they build spaceships and rovers and shuttles and land, all kinds of stuff here. And this has been a really exciting tour. It's not even done yet, but I'm going to get to sit down and talk to Dr. Farah Alibe after this, and I'm super excited about that. So... All right, hold on. We're moving on to Cassini. Got to go figure out what that is. See you guys later. Sally, definitely an e-ticket. Roger that, Sally. So I just finished my tour at JPL, and the woman who gave me the tour is willing to sit down and talk to me and answer my stupid questions about her smart job. So... Dr. Farah Alabe, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, the tour was fantastic. That was awesome. And it was even cooler than I thought it would be. And I had high hopes, which is so weird. Oh, for, like, so a usually people come, come to JPL and they're like, I didn't know you guys had things here. And I'm like, really? Like, what? <laughs> it was more cool stuff than I thought there was going to be. I knew that the conversation, like, I was excited to just hear what you guys, well, what you had to say. And then some other scientists joined us, which was exciting. But I had no idea the kind of stuff we would get to see. Yeah, and you didn't even see half of it. Right. Because you guys I, were there after hours and we're not building the spacecraft right now. Right. Um, so usually we have actual spacecraft in our high base. Oh, man. Cool. <laughs> Guys, it's don't let her get you down. What I saw was awesome. <laughs> well, also, if you live in the LA area, we have an open house every October. Uh, yeah. It's a week open weekend. You can come and see the lab. And they actually have tours. If you happen to visit, they have tours every Monday that you can sign up for. Every Monday, and then October is an open month. Yeah, it's an open weekend. So open the weekend. open weekend, they have like extra displays and everything nice um, and pretty. There's more stuff but, going on. Uh, but yeah, because one of the things that NASA does, well, we use your taxpayers' money, right? Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I don't pay any taxes. <laughs> well, okay, All my money is that. offshore. <laughs> All 50 uh, bucks is in a Bahamian bank account. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of, one of our missions is to uh, educate the public. I feel like that's something, well, we, we can get into it more and more, but why don't, we, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and what, what you're title is at JPL and what what is JPL? I mean, I okay. know, but maybe the listeners don't. I know now. Well, I'm a systems engineer, uh, which means nothing to a normal person. But what is that? Um, well, if you knew someone who knew a little bit about science, what would you okay. say? You well, were? so one thing that I always say is that I'm a jack of all trades, but master of none. Right? Okay. So basically when you build a spacecraft, it's this big giant beast and it's really complex and you'll have an expert in each of what we call a subsystem, right? So there'll be someone in charge of thermal, making sure the spacecraft stays the right temperature. There'll be a power person who will make sure you have enough energy, a structure person that builds, a, you know, build a structure around it, telecom person that does the radio. Um, and my job basically is to get them to play nice with each other. Um, they end up sharing resources, right? So when you launch a spacecraft, you have a maximum amount of mass that you can right, launch. Right, you can't. Right? It has to be a certain weight. Yeah, it has to be a certain size. Because your rocket size. can only take so much, right? right? And so it has to be a certain size, a certain volume. You end up being limited on energy every time. There's always, you know, so different instruments will want different amounts of power. And, and you got to be like, hey, look, we need to knock down a couple of kilojoules from the thermal unit and give a couple of these. I'm using a term I made up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all in watts, but yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, basically it's like, I have to go to people and be like, hey, so like, can you give me like a kilogram back? Because like, we don't fit. Oh, <laughs> and so I they'll see, try like... and figure out. And I'm like, are you sure you really need to have this on for like, 
two hours? Can you have it on for an hour and a half? Like, can we do that? And so that's oh, that's yeah, really so, cool. So you're kind of like managing, I guess, uh, the system. You're engineering the system. Yeah. Overall. So yeah. basically, I have to know enough about each little part that I can be like. I know you're bullshitting me. Like, right, right. Come on. Like, <laughs> come on. Lose, lose a pound. G- give me a couple but, of watts. I yeah. need a couple of watts back. So I, I know you can do better. I got and, the, yeah, the syst- the um, thermo guys, they're up my ass right now. Can we fix this, please? <laughs> but I will do that. I'd be like, hey, so like this guy, like he really needs a lot of power. Like, can you help me out? <laughs> so like part of it is sort of being a people person and knowing what you're talking about. but uh, And being and, willing to learn when they... When you don't know. Right. And that was another thing I was surprised by was you wouldn't think that system engineers or people who work at NASA or JPL are capable of giving tours, you know, like you assume what are you saying? A certain stereotype to a scientist (laughs) who's like, no, you should be chained to your desk, just typing numbers (laughs) with like a long ashy cigarette hanging out of your mouth. And then between you and the other two scientists who joined us, everyone was so charming and, uh, (laughs) Uh, extroverted and shared so much We're information. normal. I mean, yeah. you didn't see the strange ones. Right, the strange ones, they're the ones they don't come them. out. Yeah, they're like, let's put Farah out there. If we're going to have anyone <laughs> talking to the public, let's make it Farah. Not those, like, uh, the guy with the tinfoil hat on. Oh, there is one guy that used to come to lab every day with a lab coat on. He, I think he's at Google now. I haven't seen him around. I think <laughs> he, he wore like, a lab coat. But, yeah, and there's, like, guys that wear shorts every single day. But, yeah. Yeah, we, I think and one Hawaiian of the other shorts. guys on the tour had, like, flip-flops and a, like, Rage Against the Machine t-shirt on or <laughs> something. Yeah. But it feels like college a lot. When yeah, you're, you're well, walking like, around, I felt like I was on, like, a, a campus. campus that was in the 1950s. Because there's, like, this, <laughs> stylistically, it's like that Tomorrowland, Disney World kind of design. And the yeah. font is so, like, it's like the, the a future, like, it's like retro-futurist or, like, neo-futurist. Yeah, futurist it's like or, it would have been the future, like, if you were in the 50s looking forward to the right. 70s. Right? Felt and then like we walk- just <laughs> didn't have more money to make it better. So. Right, but then when you go into a room and that there's a, you know... S- 35 million dollar rover inside but you're like oh okay that's a little different yeah. <laughs> that's the future <laughs> yep, that's yep, very yep. present <laughs> I was down at um, Johnson Space Center which is in Houston a few months ago for a meeting and they took us around like the you know, listeners the might places. know the Houston Space Station from yeah, Houston, Houston. We, we have a problem <laughs> That's the titular Houston in that um, situation. That is why, so so JPL, you saw this when you came, were on the tour, but JPL does navigation for all the unmanned spacecraft, right? When yeah. we have the DSN. And Houston really does the navigation. They have the mission control for the manned missions. So there's some some done at KSC, which is Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Mm-hmm. They have like mock-ups of all, each of the capsules there. And they had a Soyuz rocket, uh, Soyuz, just the capsule yeah. that you sit in. Apparently the seats in there, they custom make them to your butt. So that, like, because they have so little space that they have to save all the mass. Yeah, they right. Can. They're not going to leave an, uh, a centimeter or an inch. On and then they, side. like yeah. someone was like, "Yeah, and it's actually a problem for astronauts because they can't put on any weight." Like, and I was like, "Oh, like you mean like when you buy a wedding dress?" And I was the only girl in the room, the only unmarried person, <laughs> the only girl in the room, and they're like, "Oh God, did I just say that?" <laughs> did I just say the most rom com thing I, know. I could say? I was like, book. "Oh God, like I'm trying to break stereotypes, and I just said that." <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, I get it. Like wedding dresses. Oh, oh God. God. Of course Farah. she said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ladies be shopping. <laughs> but they found it funny. So what did you what did you study? What's your what was your area? How'd you get into this whole thing? If you want to give me that spiel, uh, I love it. 
I was born in the late 80s, right? So it was still when the, being an astronaut was cool. Yeah. And the shuttle program was still very much going. I think it was, I was born right before the Challenger accident. So I wanted to be an astronaut. I'm French-Canadian. When I was in primary school, there was actually a French-Canadian astronaut called Julie oh. Payette, um, who was kind of my idol. She was like the first. Oh, a female too. Yeah. That's and like. So she's like French-Canadian female astronaut, right? And she was like the rage. Yeah, I Canada. never saw a fat astronaut, so I never had someone to look up to. <laughs> oh. and be like, Someday. And then when you just kind of explain, hey, I need a kilogram here, I'd be like smirking in the corner like, I think I should get a salad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, growing up, I realized that I was really good at physics and chemistry. Well, physics and math and chemistry and actually never wanted to be an engineer because my dad was an engineer but he's a robotics and electrical engineer and I was like no I'm, I'm not going to do what he's doing like no right like especially my mom's two brothers and her sister are all computer scientists oh, so wow. everyone's an engineer in my family and I was just like I can't do this right <laughs> I was like I'm going to be a doctor no one's I'm Indian right like as in like originally um, and so like Indian people you're a complicated can- individual you're telling me you're both Indian French Canadian American American and, and a woman <laughs> and British. That last and one's British. a lie. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. No. I, was, I was born in Canada, but I grew up in England. Um, but originally, we're all Indian, although my parents were born in Madagascar. That's like a quick, quick story. Uh, needless to say. So I wanted to be a doctor for a while and then realized that I hated biology. Like a medical doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you like, are a doctor now. I am a doctor. <laughs> yeah. But if someone says, there's a doctor, is there a doctor in the house? You don't no. raise your hand. No. I fact, like, when I first got my PhD, I like signed up for like Southwest bonus points or whatever. And, you know, you put in your title and I thought about putting doctor. Cause I was like, Hey, you know, I worked hard for this. And I was like, but this is an airplane. Like if they, if they call me, yeah. <laughs> like I can fix your airplane. That's fine. Can't really yeah. save a call, human life. Call me if equipment malfunctions. Yes, that, and, or that if you I need, can deal with. Yeah. If you need some wattage in the front part of the ship, I can yeah. help you out. But yeah, anyway, I discovered I hated biology and that really I, I was meant to be an engineer. Uh, uh, and, and so despite... I got over it. Yeah. Over well, it. I realized it was different enough. So what do you, what do you study for, for this? So I actually... Um, have a degree in aerospace engineering. So my undergraduate and masters are both in aerospace engineering, but I was actually doing air breathing propulsion. So I went to undergrad- air breathing propulsion, meaning airplane stuff. Oh, okay. Right? Oh. So for us, oh, cause rockets don't use air, right? So we don't right. have turbines. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah. So I actually went to Cambridge in England. Um, they didn't really have heard a, of it. <laughs> yeah, you know that small school over there. Like I think Newton went there. Like, I don't know. I heard. I heard he like made some really big discoveries. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah uh, well, he. Well, I'll tell you what. He's a terrible roommate. Oh gosh. <laughs> he never stocks the fridge. <laughs> he also apparently used to leave the blinds closed all the time. That's how he discovered the di- light diffraction. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, just watch Cosmos. Uh, yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson will explain this. It's for funny you. that you watch Cosmos. You're like, oh, yeah, maybe I could brush up on science real quick. <laughs> well, Carl Sagan's Cosmos is like one of my favorite right. TV series of all time. So. That makes sense to me. Yes. Like, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I hate, gonna- I hate to use The Martian as a reference because it's a piece of pop culture, <laughs> but it is about... I can watch Matt Damon yeah. do anything, you know, including and baked potatoes. And saves the day, so right. just saying. Well, that's... <laughs> I was not familiar with the uh, acronym JPL until that scene. And so for me, that movie just kind of opened up ideas. And then that moment when the Chinese are like, well, if we give them this information, we're revealing that we're ahead in some capacity. And then it's that's like, true, let's make this a deal. 
science scientist the scientist that I'm, I'm getting chills talking about it right now to be honest like you could see the forearm hairs are standing up i just think that's such an interesting thing where it's like forget all politics these are scientists that are up there we can rescue him we, we have the ability to help out and like, I, I love that about scientists that it's like science comes before yeah, everything well, actually, else it's a, so there's actually i think i maybe mentioned this but there's such a thing as space law and the un has these treaties called, and there's one called the space treaty and if i recall properly there is one part of the treaty that uh, says that uh, for example if an astronaut was to crash on earth or have a problem and any nation can help them they're sort of bound by that treaty to help an astronaut so when it comes to space it's kind of cool actually the martian kind of shows that that it does really transcend boundaries right because like space belongs to all of us and nations actually do tend to work together. Um, for example, there was a, um, a an Indian mission called MOM that was launched last year and it got to Mars a few months ago. Um, and well, we Maven did, so maybe six months ago. And actually, JPL is doing the navigation for them. So we work with them. We have instruments that come from Europe all the time uh, we work with the Italians on telecom systems, right? We told you about the, the Galileo. Right, because that's um, something that they have and that they can, that technology that they can share and scratch yeah. my back, scratch your back. It's all in the greater pursuit of knowledge yeah. and Yeah, and then so we'll say, like, okay, we'll share some data with you if we can. And it, yeah, that's what it is. It's because at the end of the day, like if we find life on another planet, right, it's going to change humanities. Right. Despite what like movies would have you believe that scientists, like a government agent, be like, no, we must harness this for us. We can make <laughs> money off of it. Like that's always the premise of a movie. It's like scientists make a discovery. It's like, well, we keep it under wraps. We can militarize this. Yeah. You know, it's like every. Well, actually, one good thing to know about NASA is that we actually are bound by law to release science data. We have a That's another part of, of the Martian. Right? Yeah, so we have a certain amount of time where we can keep the data, and it depends on the mission, and you negotiate it. Because, you know, one of the things is if if you're a scientist working on a mission, and often you'll work on one or two missions in your life, you want to be the one publishing the paper, right? Like right. if you if if you worked on the instrument, built the instrument, like helped with the mission, you know, it's only fair that you get to see the results first and write the paper. So that's right. why there's a buffer, um, because that gives people time to publish the papers. Yeah. They, um, and Get but that after that, that everything's deserve. public. So, like, if you if you think that you know things are hoax, you can literally go to the internet and download like pictures of Apollo. <laughs> right. There's actually like they released high definition pictures of Apollo. It's amazing recently. Oh, that's um, so cool. And you can yeah, you can get them all. I can yeah. send you the link. Oh, that'd it's be pretty awesome. Do. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing now at JPL or what, like, what your projects are that you're allowed to talk yeah. about. I know there's top secret shit we can't get into. <laughs> it's not top secret. Yeah. So the reason why there's some things I can't talk about is because JPL or NASA in general has two ways of doing missions, right? There's times that Congress will tell us, write it into law, say, thou shall do this mission. Right. And so um, that's awesome. It's written into law. Yeah, like absolutely. this year by law, JPL has to do this thing. Yeah. Can you give an example of a project people might um, so the we launching a, we're launching a mission to Europa. Um, which is one of Jupiter's moons? It is. Yes. Um and the I cool paid attention. <laughs> is that your favorite moon? No, right? No, Enceladus is Enceladus. I knew there was, I knew you had a favorite moon. <laughs> yes, that's a thing. <laughs> Maybe the background on my phone. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Europa is one of the moons of Jupiter, and um, it's a really great astrobiology target. And astrobiology is basically, if you decompose the world, right, it's it's basically finding life, life on the in other space. Yeah. yeah, and why is it a good astrobiology? Uh, um, so because it, we believe that it has a notion. It's actually a a movie also based on Europa. What's it called? I believe it's called the Europa Report. To yes. be honest, because I saw yes. it on Netflix. They actually like do really well up until like the last ten minutes. So if you like. 
just turn off the movie <laughs> 15 minutes before the end, you're fine. Actually, there's a bunch of JPL like, engineers that helped with the movie. But oh, the thing that's with really Hollywood cool. is I have friends who are writers and they do this. They'll sit down with me and ask me questions and then they'll like they'll think about it and then they'll like make the movie and then they're like, oh yeah, but like this doesn't work. So we're just going to ignore physics right now. And right. I'm like, really? But <laughs> right. Well, that's what I remember they were talking about when they talked about the film interstellar, which I loved as well. I'm a big fan of movies that just like demonstrate yeah. science. That to one be- was good until he fell in the black hole. And then I was like, can you, if it had ended there, it would have been amazing. Right. But no, no, there had to be something like about love. Right. <laughs> well, that's like, what I, that, exactly. It's like, that's the fourth dimension is love. <laughs> why? And then well, there's all these things that didn't make sense afterwards. And I was just like, why didn't you just stop? Right. And that's because I, I, that's what I was going to bring up is like, and then I remember hearing like in an interview, it's like, we had some scientists consult on this movie. I'm like, no, I feel like actually, they would have said like, but actually there's some things about the movies that are like incredibly accurate. So for example, so there was a Caltech scientist who worked on the movie. And you know, when you see the depiction of the black hole, he actually ended up publishing a few papers out of that because the movie gave him enough funding to go spend the research time. To like imagine what the inside to Well, it's actually based on real data. And so it's our best depiction right now of what a, a that's black hole looks so like. Right? Cool. So that's really awesome. And actually they did a really good job with, you know, when they were saying like, oh, if we land, we'll like age and the, the idea of um, space travel, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and like traveling faster than the speed of light and through wormholes. And so, by the way, telecom through wormholes, I'm not sure that works. Yeah, you can't really. <laughs> but, but, you know, the idea of really explaining how the aging process works, that's the I first that time that so I've seen cool. it explained. Yeah. And like for a layperson, like even for me, I don't always get it, right? So it's it's really cool that they explain that really well. So they do. I do love that moment things. when they come back up and the. Uh, forgive me for just saying the actor as the black guy, but the black scientist who's on the ship and he's got like gray hair yeah. and gray beard. I was like, oh fuck, he's that been much time. Yeah. yeah, and then he's like a little weird now because he's clearly only been talking to a robot for mm-hmm. like that long. I'm like, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so they did a good job of that. But, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. So so you're currently so, oh, so well, i don't work on europa but europa is one of the missions that got written into law right yeah. and so obviously nasa and you know we have headquarters for example they influence what kind of missions we'll do but that one was like basically congress saying you shall build this mission and it's jpl and apl which is the applied physics laboratory over in um, maryland oh, okay um, so we work together on that one so there's those types of missions and then um, there's also what we call competed missions so every couple of years um, again, it'll be Congress or it'll come from NASA headquarters. They'll say, okay, hey guys, like if we give you $400 million, what could you do? And then people pitch on it. Yeah. Sort of like, now this is a element of business I can wrap my head around because that's, uh, what's it called? RFP, request for product or R- request yeah. for pitches, where it's like, hey, here's our budget. We actually call Here- them RFPs. Too. Oh, yeah. It's on. <laughs> here's our budget. Here's, uh, why don't you tell us what you would, if we gave you $250 million, what would you guys do with that? And yeah. JPL gets in a huddle and is like, well, we could finally do this thing, whatever that yeah, might be. Exactly. Oh, so those are the things you're not allowed to share yeah, because, because if someone compet- else finds yeah, it out. It's yeah, it's just like, you're, you're not going to tell everyone, you know, what your next pitch is going to be. Right, exactly. It's like, yeah. I'm actually working on a movie that, all right, steal this idea if you want, but here it is. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, that so, makes... so that's why, we, you know, some some of that stuff, I work on, on cool stuff that I can't really talk about initially right. one day. Sometimes there's papers published on it. Um, but one of the cool missions that I'm working on right now is called ARM, which is the asteroid redirect mission. Uh, oh, man. Tell me, <laughs> tell me you've got a bunch of oil drillers that have no space experience that you need to get to. <laughs> one of them's dating the daughter of the other guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, it's not that kind of. But when I introduce myself, sometimes I like, I like, I want to say like, yeah, I'm like pretty much female Bruce Willis, but I'm not. <laughs> I wish I was. <laughs> I um, wish I was female Bruce Willis. <laughs> well, except better looking, <laughs> and like younger, and actually knows what I'm doing. But, yeah, ideally you're and, all. You know, this. with all of these things, but, but several caveats. But, but like, you told me to put this in lay, lay person. <laughs> right, this is for the layman. But yeah, so we're going to start capturing. We're capturing this boulder, and then we're going to bring it back um, to lunar orbit. So it's a distant retrograde lunar orbit or something looking like that. And it's a stable orbit around the moon. So there's no way we could impact the Earth. And then and from then, there, you can study it. Well, no, even better. From there, we're going to send astronauts and they're going to go up to the rock and like mine it and bring stuff back. And they're going to go inside the rock and find out well, what's on in it. Yeah. On it. Yeah, but they're going like to bring stuff yeah. from inside. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Why, why Why? such a premium on wanting to know what's in an asteroid? Because it's just something we don't know a lot well, about. Well, so, so there's multiple reasons for this mission. And actually, one of the other things that we're doing is while we're at the asteroid, after we've captured the boulder, we're going to do something called a gravity tractor. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I think I know what this so. is. So you fly above the Millennium Falcon and suck it into your... No! <laughs> no. So, okay. So one of the things that we do at NASA, and we actually care about you guys, is because something called um, planetary defense. So uh, there's always this joke, right, that basically because the uh, that the, the dinosaurs died because of an asteroid, and if they were to come back today, they'll be like, well, where's your space program at? Because that's why we all died, right? Uh. Um, so, and, you know, Armageddon, uh, getting back to that one. So it's a, it's a real threat, right, um, that one day there could be an asteroid. There could be one that is that, coming yeah. towards us, yeah. But the good thing is that the, we are looking at the sky all the time. We have actually mapped a lot of these asteroids, and we we study their orbits. And so if there was something big enough to destroy the planet, we would see it coming, right? right. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like Armageddon. Um, it wouldn't just be small ones that we could miss that could make you know that could damage things but the big ones we see them coming right right? that they're big enough i mean like the armageddon one you could see it with a telescope right it's big (laughs) so it's like come on guys (laughs) again this is when hollywood people don't listen to us because it doesn't work for that that plot (laughs) right right Uh, Uh, guys we have three months it's like well let's send up oil drillers it's like wait 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 wait. (laughs) how come we weren't watching Uh, we told you guys this, but anyway. Um, it, basically, we're using gravity. So basically, when you have two bodies in space, um, they attract each other. So even when you're on when Earth... two bodies on Earth, they attract each other. Am I right? Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. God. She just pepper sprayed me, and she was oh. correct in doing that. Um, so, you know, technically, you're attracted by the Earth, right? But you also pull on the Earth a little bit because you have mass. You right. probably more than I do. <laughs> I mean, Ouch! <laughs> I deserve that. Uh, but because the Earth is so massive, it doesn't really feel right. Well, you don't have, you don't have any effect yeah. on it. Yeah. But if you have two bodies that have very similar masses, then they can attract each other. So in this, our case, if we're going to an asteroid, if we're massive enough, we can very slowly disrupt its orbit. And the great thing about the great thing about that is that it only disrupts it a little bit, but it's very precise. And so, oh. and so the nice thing is. You know, there's different ways of, of changing an asteroid's orbit, but if you have a lot of time, if you know, for example, that this asteroid, if we propagate the orbit by like a thousand years or a million years, eventually it'll impact the Earth, you can change its orbit by a tiny little bit. Yeah, like a tenth of a degree, and it will miss oh, yeah, the Earth by... Oh, yeah, even less than that. Yeah, even less yeah. than that, right. hundred. Um, yeah, and thousand. we have the ability to propagate these orbits, so that's a, that's something that we could do to save the Earth. Oh, right? wow. There's other ways of, you know, you could just bomb it, and right. you, you could just, like, you know, push it with something really big, right. and that will change its orbit. The problem with those things is that, well, if you bomb it, the little 
leftover pieces are going to go all over the place. So you don't right. know. And if you push it without measurement, it hits the moon or it yeah, hits the... Yeah, or like you could push it and, and you know, you don't know how hard you pushed it. And so it's it's right. less, you know, in dire situation, that's what you would do. But if you have more time, you would do something like a gravity. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what is your favorite moon again? Enceladus. And that's on Jupiter as well? No. No, that's one of <laughs> Saturn. ne- Saturn's moons, right? Um, so Saturn's the next one along, the one with the rings on it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that I know. <laughs> and why is it your favorite? Um, because it's also a really great um, astrobiology target. It's actually much smaller than your Is it the geyser one? Yes. It, it is. It has geysers. Right. So it's a small, tiny moon. It's covered in ice. It has what we think is global oceans on, underneath and a core. But at the South Pole, there's these cracks called the tiger stripes. And there's like these cold geysers essentially they actually found recently because we have a spacecraft at Saturn called Cassini um, and Cassini we learned is, about Cassini at JPL yeah, yeah and Cassini is reaching the end of its mission I, you'll have to look up how long it's been up there because I don't want to say the wrong the, right. you know I think it's been 10 years but it's now. been a while I think yeah. it's actually I think it's been 10 years this year oh Since wow 2015 it was 10 years and then it has another 2 years ish to go it's gone way past what we ever thought it would do and but it did its last close flyby of Enceladus it was about 50 kilometers above the, wow. the ground. Yeah. When it's so small, you don't have, and there's no atmosphere, it's a lot easier to navigate. It's like, you know what, like, I don't know how many light minutes away, but it's easy to navigate. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that seems so crazy. I can't even um, barely parallel park and people are navigating I mean, I something that's like park, five so. planets away. <laughs> um, but they actually found that it was curtains of water that are coming out of, um, of Enceladus at the South Pole. That's wild. And so, yeah. So the really cool thing about it is that so with Europa, you know, Europa's great, right? But if you really want to sample from the ocean, you're, you're going to have to drill, right? And we actually are thinking about landing something to get a sample from the surface. Right, because it's, it's below the surface as well. Yes, the ocean is below the surface. Yes. So they think there's some cracks and we don't know. There might be stuff coming out. We're not sure because we haven't been that close to Europa. But Enceladus has these, this water spewing out and the water's coming from inside. You kind of just so need they, to like roll down your window and put a cup out. No, but literally that's what we want to do. Like <laughs> That is the best analogy for it. Like, literally, what we want to do is fly a mass spectrometer, which, you know, and um, a, a better one than Cassini has, because Cassini didn't know what kind of biology we were going to be looking at. Right. right? And, and also went up in 05. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So now that we sort of know what's up there, we want to know if there's complex organic molecules, which could be an energy. Signs of life. Yes. Uh, because we know it has energy and we know it has water. And so... That's life that we understand. Right. Um, and so we're like, oh, well, maybe there's organic molecules, right? So we want to fly a mass spectrometer and literally just catch some of it and look at it. And I mean, if there happens to be a fisheye, then we'll know there's life. But right, right. <laughs> that, that would kind of be like the holy grail. But like a things- blink. <gasps> <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm still waiting for that one on Mars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what's really cool about Enceladus. That's so wild. Yeah. You said something there that made hairs on the back of my neck stand up. So I just want to go back to it for a second. I said signs of life, and you were like, "Yeah, uh, w- w- you use something like life uh, as we know it. Life, yeah, like well, water. Actually, you were like, oh, water and, and organic compounds means life as we know it, meaning that there's possibilities of types of life that yeah. we can't wrap our heads around. And yet. actually, well, not even just that. Well, there's that, like life that's completely different to what we understand. But there's actually even if you just go to the Saturn system, there's another moon out there called Titan. Right? Mm-hmm. And I told you about the Huygens probe that landed on Titan. Yes. Um, so Titan is a completely different beast. It's a much bigger moon. Um, it has an atmosphere, but it's, a, it's got methane. It's got lakes of methane. It rains methane. That's disgusting. Right? right? Like, it's crazy, <laughs> but it has... But things can live in methane. It has weather. Yeah. It has, it has like... 
yeah, it has cause, and I'm not a, I'm not a Titan expert because I really like Enceladus <laughs> and I'm an engineer. So I like pick one. I was actually like in a study this week and we were doing stuff on Enceladus and stuff on Titan. And I was like all gone pro for Enceladus. And then I had to turn around to the scientists and be like, Hey, so like, what's up with Titan? <laughs> hey, what's Titan's deal? Uh, I was like, so can you tell me why it's cool? Like maybe I'll care about it more. <laughs> it's actually really cool. Um, so yeah, they have these huge lakes. Like the lakes are the size of the Great Lakes. Jeez. Right? But methane lakes. So, you know, we don't really have life on Earth. Well, we're actually finding on Earth, actually, because of what we're doing on, you know, what we're trying to discover on these other planets, we're actually finding analogs on Earth. And we're finding life in places where we didn't think life could exist. And actually, I read an article the other day where it's the opposite. They found an area on Earth where they, there was no life. Right? You would, you know. The, well, you would think that there should be life. Yeah. yeah. Or like, I mean. You think like no life, you know, we found life in weird places on earth. Right? right. But this place was the opposite where like there was no life and we don't know why, but there's characteristic about it that like maybe will tell us like why there may or may not be life when you go to other planets. Right. right. And maybe there's life not as we know it in this area. Yeah. Oh God, that's such a fun yeah. expression. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm overusing it already. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so with, with Titan, it wouldn't be life you know, the same biology as we know, because it would be methane based life. Right. Uh, but Which it doesn't is totally mean that possible. They, yeah. But it doesn't mean that there could be life, right? So oh. they still have energy and they have an atmosphere. So it's actually another great astrobiology target. Oh, that. that's awesome. Now I'm going to downshift a little away from science for a minute. Cause I'm just, I'm always very intrigued as well as people who are tops in their field and do these high end uh, professions. I'm always very curious if they do things for fun or do you guys do anything at JPL? Is there anything that's like fun or recreational or extracurricular that everyone is part of? Or the, like, is there something like you'd be surprised how many physicists love blank? You oh, know? you'd be surprised at how much JPL people do outside of work. Actually, actually rocket scientists and mine of all my friends are the ones that are the craziest. They do yeah. so much. Like I have friends who like, We'll go skydiving. A lot of my friends surf. I'm a skier. Everyone I know, I have a friend who rides a unicycle up in the mountains. <laughs> I mean, my boss biked from SF to LA like a few months ago. I have a, my, this other guy I worked with on one of my missions, like did an Ironman. I would tell you, most people at JPL have something really cool about them. That That's really interesting, and it's just, and it's probably just because like it's a large enough sample set of people who are very accelerated in a certain field. Genetically, if you're of a level enough to handle being a rocket scientist at JPL, you probably also have aptitudes for other things. Like, yeah, I always just, I always feel like that. I feel like sometimes when you meet elite level athletes, they're also elite level something else. Yeah, because it's just, just to get where you are to get that job you had at JPL, you need such an insane amount of focus and hard work and put in so much time to get your doctorate and all that and and passion and stuff and it's like if if all of a sudden you know, Farah decides like I'm gonna get into cooking lentils like I feel like you might approach it a different way than your average yeah, person wants actually, to cook. Yeah, actually, I really like baking cupcakes. That's the thing that I do. <laughs> and my friends are like, and I started one day. I was like, I'm gonna learn to bake cupcakes yeah. and I'm gonna be good at it. And my friends like, I bake for them and they're like. Jesus, this looks professional. And I'm yeah, like, like, well, yeah, I did use a spectrometer to measure the amount of. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, no, like I just learned about it and did it. And then like, yeah, when I try to make cupcakes, it looks like goop. You right. make cupcakes and it looks better than like what you get from the shop. Well, like that's like, what they say. They also say that baking versus cooking is science versus art because baking one little ingredients off, it doesn't work. Yeah. So, like cooking a meal, you can kind of like, oops, threw too much pepper in. Well, I'll add a little. Uh, but baking is the science version of cooking, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, and actually, I actually really 
feel like baking, I started baking in grad school, actually, it was a relaxation for me. Like when I was doing, you know, when I was doing my thesis, I, I went nuts. I don't know, everyone does in grad school. <laughs> I'm sure, It yeah. was so stressful. What was your thesis on, if but, you might, if, see if I can wrap my head around it um, at all? So basically what I looked at, it was in space systems architecture. Um, so basically it's very early on when we say we're doing a pitch on a mission, we have different options, right? So you tell me like, I have $500 million. What's the best way of me spending that money, right? So I developed tools to help in what we call trade space exploration. Oh, wow. Right? So basically it's saying, okay, I'm going to trade different instruments for different costs and, you know, all different amounts of risk. And so there were tools to enable these discussions in real time. And what my thesis particularly focused on was looking at how you could use multi-vehicle systems, um, so distributed systems to achieve science goals. So I looked at both spatially distributed systems, so having teams of rovers working together, um, and how that would maybe distribute risk and help us achieve different goals. Oh, wow. And then also spatially distributed, uh, temporarily distributed systems, so basically saying, like, well, instead of sending one big mission, what if I sent a smaller mission, figured out some of the high-level questions, and then I was able to send a second mission that's more focused, right? So, like, so now that I know what I'm looking at, that's so cool. you can send a smaller mission. And so what I did is develop tools to show, well, in these cases, it might be worth it. In these cases, it might not. And, you know, they, they, were, like, they dealt with some of the technical issues that are associated with that. That's cool. Now, forgive me if I'm not supposed to talk about this, but those little cube sets that you were working on, yeah. that feels like an extension of that, right? Well, so I actually never realized that GPL that like some of the stuff I was working on was like totally related to my thesis and I just <laughs> happened to work on them and then I was like oh yeah I did learn about like I did like write a lot of papers about how this is a good idea so yeah actually I can talk about it so I was working on it and actually the CubeSat that I was working on is a perfect example of that. Right, so, that's right. At least what I gathered from what you said was like, it's not doing everything. It's doing like a yeah. more smaller focused kind of one thing, but doesn't cost a lot of, uh, as much money or take as much time. Exactly, yeah. and it's spreading risk. So just to take one step back, a CubeSat is a very small spacecraft, right? So um, it has a form factor um, that is common between the spacecraft. And that's how we save money in a way, because we can get the, a lot of the parts off the shelf. And so, for example, my spacecraft was 10 centimeters by 20 centimeters by 30 centimeters, basically a big cereal box. Yeah. And a lot of the parts that we had... The that, parts that were already being made yeah, for... Yeah, like, basically, we can go to the Home Depot equivalent of spacecraft and be like, hey, I want one of these. There is, like, a six-month lead time, but they'll just... Right. That's something that they already have been have built yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you, yeah, if you order a water heater... Yeah, comes, yeah. Same idea. And we're going to order a propulsion system. Right, right. Deal, right. But kind of that was the idea. It's a product line. Um, and so what we were doing is um, there was a mission that was meant to launch to, um, to Mars in 2016. So in a few months um, called Insight. It's currently on hold. And that was going to be a lander. And then my little CubeSats uh, were going to fly above and do telecommunication relay. So in that case, you're splitting function, right? So instead of having the functionality of directly being able to talk to Earth from the lander. And it was this was a tech demo, so the, sp the lander was able to get data back to Earth, but we were going to show that, hey, you could fly this little thing that's kind of a relay, like, you know, when you have a, a cell phone tower that relays right, your right. data. And it, was gonna, it could listen to the, the smallest signal from the spacecraft, so it doesn't need as big of an antenna, and transmit it back to Earth. Right? So, right. yeah, it's actually totally related and, to and, my thesis. And... <laughs> 
if that were to be successful, there's a lot of other things you could. I think you were explaining you with the CubeSats, yeah. you could be like, well, well, you could fly those again and it not be a tech demo at that point. Right, you can also, just slap a couple extra on a rocket that's already going because they're so yeah. small. And, it's and like, then also we've demonstrated a lot of technology. So now you're reducing risk. So for example, the radio that we're flying, it's a small radio. You can fly on something else or fly it as a backup Right, radio and then it, it might roll into this is how we do things now. Yeah. There. Do you guys... Random aside, too, does is there like a JPL trivia team that goes to bars and just absolutely uh, so crushes? Actually, also, I actually, my friends and I go to trivia. Well, they go every week. I try and go whenever I can. We were there last night. So you'd be surprised, though, because you'd think like, yeah, we're rocket scientists. It's always a, pop culture. Well, so the thing is, we do surprisingly well. But there's also the NPR team. There's a Pasadena NPR team that plays at that. the same place. And we hate them because <laughs> it's like, because also they always have an older dude. So he always knows like, yeah. <laughs> the like pop culture from forever oh my ago. God, I want to make a, I want to write a sketch right now. That's like <laughs> the obvious JPL table, the obvious NPR well, table. And then like four frat brothers who are like, guys, I think we should leave this trivia <laughs> no, night. It's true. <laughs> but you think like, okay, we're rocket scientists. So we know like a very small area. And actually yesterday there was a question about like Neptune and Apollo. And we were like, yes. And then we're like, gosh, everyone else knows that too. <laughs> now, you'd be surprised on Arte. I know nothing. I'll show up because I show up like once a month when I have time. And I didn't grow up in America. And All so, right. like, so your if there's a question about French, I'll know that. Because that's <laughs> right. my first language. And I'm like, do you have a question about France? Or Canada, or maple syrup, or like that's about it, right? Like maple or, syrup guys, or systems engineering on. Yeah, but that they know. Right. So Yeah, we actually do surprisingly well. I think a lot of my friends and they, you know, their partners will come, and so we get a mix of people. Uh, but we do well. We come first or second. We came fifth yesterday. <laughs> All right, now I'd be remiss. My wife would absolutely kill me if I didn't ask this question. Okay. Are we alone in the universe? I hope not. All right. So that's because that's my answer, too, is like, it, I feel like it would be weirdly self-centered to assume we were. And like that would mean that like we were some like weird anomaly, essentially. Right. right? Oh, right. That we're like an accident when that like, right? yeah, that has to be something. Now, whether we'll find it in our lifetime. That's all know, another story. Right? Yeah. So our best bet right now is looking for life in the solar system. That's why we want to go to in Europa. our own solar system. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. why we want to go to Europa and Enceladus. And we, we sort of know that there's no intelligent life or at least. Intelligent as we know it, <laughs> right, maybe, right? Maybe smarter than than you and I, but you know, different life. The problem with getting to these other planets is that they're so far away, right? right. So we don't actually. It takes so much time, and yeah. So the only way, in my opinion, that we're gonna find—I mean, you don't know what's gonna happen in terms of technology in the next fifty years—but in my opinion, the only way that we're gonna find intelligent life in our lifetime is if they come to us. It's a little scary. They have to be smarter than us. But, right. That's kind of um, terrifying. But, yeah. Unless we make advancements we don't see coming. Yeah. Like, and I mean, now we can saw, travel yeah. faster. And yeah. who saw the internet coming, right? So you don't know right. what's going to happen. But um, And there is something like, I forget what the terminology is, but like computers are getting exponentially stronger and smaller exactly. like every year. Yeah. Like so. a computer from the year before is like the possible, like the amount of bytes or whatever. It's handle. crazy. And, and the like, amount of data that we're storing in the internet, that's exponential too. Right. I mean, exactly. Now it's mostly cat pictures, but yeah. <laughs> but hey, those are important too. <laughs> sure. um, the kind of shit that we can come up with by investing in science, investing yeah. in space exploration, the more shit we learn about and the more we enrich our lives here. I, I'm getting on some like, arbitrary yeah, soapbox right now. It's a little bit, right? Yeah. But that's the kind of the argument for investing in science and engineering in general is that 
You don't quite know what you're going to discover. Seriously, if we find life, and this is this is possible, right? We are going to Europa. We are going to continue exploring the right. solar system. We could find life in our lifetime. Now, how much is that going to tell you about us? Because right? that's really the reason why we're looking for life, is we want to understand how we came to be and how right. we evolve and how our planet came to be the way it is. Right. And so we can study here, which is good, but if we can find places where life has evolved elsewhere yeah. that's going to teach us so much about how life comes to be and that, isn't that right and then what every, everyone yeah. asks themselves like where am i from yeah where are we from and not on just like a uh indian madagascar yeah. french canadian <laughs> london but blah, more blah. like where are we as a as, like, as idea, a world as a concept like, where are where, you like and where do we come to be right and the question of are we alone even if we find bacteria on another planet we're no longer alone oh yeah right that's wild i'm at oh man i'm getting so excited i'm so giddy <laughs> And I'm going to do almost nothing to help except... You can lobby a congressman. <laughs> I, I, I will do that. And I guess hopefully maybe listeners of this, people who just listen to a podcast for shits and giggles, might get turned on, might get excited by science. Because I always have been. And in the, just interviewing three different scientists in three different fields, I've like... JPL specifically is that one makes you feel. There's something a very Americana about, you know, very humanist about let's fucking get, let's see what's out there together. I feel like, you know, picture myself like holding my space helmet under my arm and like looking at the horizons go, someday I'll be out there. You know, I feel very, uh, I'm like, I'm nostalgic for something that hasn't happened yet in some weird way. Yeah, but I think the yes to come is actually, are actually going to be amazing because, you know, a lot of people during the Apollo time, that's when a lot of people became passionate about space and then honestly we didn't really have a target for a while right like when the cold war ended there wasn't a drive to go to space anymore we did the space station and now it's there right um we still send astronauts all the time people will ask me oh i thought i thought we didn't have a space program anymore i thought i thought nasa was canceled i'm like no do you know the things we do uh, yeah like my wife said to me oh what do astronauts do if they're not in i'm like some are in space right now yeah. She's like, there's people in space and right it's actually now and i'm people like training to go to mars and i think that's really the next exciting thing is like we're really trying to get to mars again. that's our moon again, thing that's our, our new our lifetime moon, yeah. and and you know we saw pluto for the first time honestly social media has done wonders for nasa because right. like uh instagram pictures of pluto yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's pretty like, right. seriously but that's <laughs> or like selfies from mars <laughs> that's really funny using such high science to get that's like the the perfect but the layman that, you yeah. communicate right and so like that's why like social media is huge there's there's a jpl instagram right, right? now people know who what's his name bobak everyone oh, knows yeah. mohawk guy <laughs> and if that if that makes three kids want to study more science exactly. because of that but then mission accomplished. Yeah, that, sure. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> we won't get into. And then they realize that, like, oh, they're normal people. Okay, right, exactly. It's like they're not all just old white balding dudes in lab coats. Like yeah, most of us look pretty normal. <laughs> yeah, most. Yeah. I do have green hair, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> she does have green hair, folks. I'm telling you, you can have. Don't listen to your parents. You can have green hair and, and be a doctor and, and tattoos yeah. and be a rocket scientist. It's, yeah, it's all holy okay. crap! You're the full package. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, thank you so much for taking the time You're to talk welcome. to me. This was <laughs> so this was so cool. <laughs> oh, s- sorry for the delay, folks. I was just putting my mind back together. Holy shit, it got blown the F out of my ears. I can't stop thinking about Did you hear what we were talking about? It's statistically impossible for there not to be life on planets. I mean, people 
play lo the lotto because it's a one in a billion chance. It's a better chance that you there's life on other planets. Sick, sick. Star Trek, Star Wars, it could all be real. Oh, please let there be Tatooine. Oh, I would love to run a moisture vapor in your farm. <laughs> wow, sorry. All right, back to business. Look. In these last two episodes, I've learned a lot about myself, whether it's my place in my relationship or my place in the universe. Now, all that's left to figure out is the most important factor in the world, money. And now in this next episode, I'm gonna be talking to a Noro economist. Yeah, I've never heard of it either, but that's what excites me. He's gonna explain to me why I've been terrible with money. The answer will not surprise you at all. Thanks again to my producer, Eric Martin. The Layman is a Howl original and a production of Midroll Media. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.